Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christus. Please be seated. Today is the Sunday of the Holy Cross, of the adoration of the Holy Cross. And so in the middle of the temple, we have the relic of the Holy Cross, an actual very small piece of the cross. And the way you venerate uh, the cross, you'll do it at the end. The monks had their veneration and matins in the chapel. So we had the full ceremony in there. But you go up to the tetrapod, you bless yourself twice, you kiss the cross, you step back and you bless yourself once. You can either go down on the ground or from the uh, bend, bend for your voice. There's three pokoni in the Eastern Church. The one is the little one. The metania is this one. And the one where you go down on the ground is the great pokoni. You can do any of those with the cross depending upon your ability to do it, you know. So, uh, so you do that at the end. You'll venerate the cross. Sometimes we wonder about our ecclesiastical calendar, the liturgical calendar. And uh, the reason we venerate the cross in the middle of the great season of Great Lent, so we're at the middle point, it seems it goes too quickly as far as I'm concerned, and we do that to give us courage to continue the fast, or if we have not kept the fast, to try to do it well the last three weeks. So as you know, in the Eastern Church, the Byzantine, Ruthenian Rite, we have four seasons of fast. The greatest is Great Lent. There's 40 days for Christmas. There's two weeks for the adored mission, the Mother of God. And there's another one, because she skips my mind. There's another fast, but... Huh? The what? Oh, the Apostles' fast before the feast. In the early church, the majority of the days of the year were fast days. Those who gave us the New Testament in the apostolic tradition, a teaching, the fathers of the church, they spent most of their days fasting. The reason uh, for that fasting was Jesus fasted. And he lived in a, a disciplined life. And he's supposed to be the one we emulate if we call ourselves Christians. But also, they were under great persecution the first 300 years. And many of them were dying. So we read the lives of the saints every day in the monastery. The majority of the saints were martyrs. And they considered being a martyr as embracing the cross, joining Christ on the cross. 
That's why they lived that way. Life was short but sweet because of the Savior who promised them glory in heaven for those who embraced the cross. So really, when the baby's baptized, I usually put a little cross on them. Parents usually take it off. I don't know why. It's afraid they're going to swallow it or choke or something. But you should always wear your baptismal cross. My uh, adopted son, a month or so ago, he, he wanted a particular cross. He had a cross, but he wanted a particular cross. It's a very beautiful thing. Very manly, a nice cross for a man, you know. And uh, so I was happy to give him that. And I asked him, I said, are you fearful of wearing your cross? Because, you know, people don't like Christians too much these days. He says, I gladly wear my cross for Christ. I love him so much. I gladly wear my cross for Christ. All our buildings and everything are marked with the cross as a sign of victory over death. That through death we come to new life just like Jesus did. Now during the week I gave a little talk in the monastic community about Christ on the cross. There's a great emphasis in our Western civilization, Christianity, on the sufferings of the cross. And they have famous preachers like oh, Bishop Sheen, people like that, who gave sermons on the last seven words. And he would usually do that in St. Patrick's Cathedral. And if you were lucky, you could be there one time when he did that. When I was in the seminary, I think it was about, I was a deacon already, he came to visit us. Uh, and I just was mesmerized by him. The way he moved, the way he talked, the beautiful light coming from his eyes, the color of his skin, light was coming from him. All those things we read about a living saint. Beautiful. I had written, I, excuse me, I'd read his writings, and of course, I was in a seminary, he'd gone to seminary, I believe, and he came to see the seminarians. He didn't say anything extremely profound, but every word he said had a lot of punch, a lot of meaning. And his life had not been an easy one. Yes, he was an auxiliary bishop in New York, but he had experienced a lot of persecution in that job, and we won't go into that. But he, I thought to myself in seeing him how beautiful he is. So anyway, he's up for canonization. Uh, the process has started, but one of his own relatives objected. Another thing that happened, he wanted to remain his relics to remain in St. Patrick's Cathedral, but the, the bishop of the diocese he came from, Peoria, I believe, 
came and took them away to take them over there to be there. But he loved New York and he was a great bishop. What made him a great bishop was that he emulated Jesus Christ on the cross. He was a beautiful person because light came out from him. To be near him was a spiritual experience. So uh, then, uh, this week I talked about Jesus on the cross, not in the usual manner, not of his sufferings, but of his love and glory on the cross. Because we all have to embrace the cross. So anyway, I pictured in my mind Jesus Christ, a beautiful man, uh, not uh, covered with blood or things like that, but really beautiful and uh, shining and peaceful and prayerful. So I tried to think in my mind in my prayer about his relationship to the Father as he was on the cross. When we think about the Father, we are warned about two things. We have to fear God and love him at the same time. The fear that God is the beginning of wisdom. The love of God is the gift of God to you. Jesus on the cross. He came from the Father. He was always with the Father from all eternity. And at one point in history, he came amongst us. He took upon himself a human body in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And he came as a poor man. He walked all those 30 miles up and down the Holy Land, preaching the gospel, the new message that fulfilled the promises of the Father in the Old Testament. Finally, he would do the Father's will by dying on the cross. I always said to myself, how could the Father let his own son die on the cross? But you know, there's other people who have died that way, the sons of fathers. And you know them from the Old Testament. So I concentrated to prepare this homily by looking at Jesus, the beautiful God-man, and his relationship to the Father. What was he doing on the cross? We got a hint in the woman that stopped him. They say, she said to him when he was carrying the cross, you know, why, why, why are you doing this for? He said, it's the will of my Father. Very few of us feel that about our fathers. 
We should respect our fathers. Sometimes it's hard to do their will. We think we know better, but we don't. The father has a responsibility to love his son and to be proud of him. The male child that opens the womb of a woman belongs to God. Interesting. Jesus came, he walked away to the cross, he preached the gospel, the true word, and he's on the cross. Think of that. What he'd done that he was going to be killed as a criminal, nothing. It was a whole political mess. But he was praying constantly to the Father. What was the will of the Father that he revealed by being on the cross was his love for us. We are united to Christ, passion, death, and resurrection in our baptism and chrismation. So when Christ was on the cross with his mystical body, what's a mystical body? A body that's filled with divinity. Because of our passion, his passion, death, and resurrection, because of our baptism, we were there with him. He was happy because we were there with him. He was happy because the Father was happy. Bringing the people back to the gift that was theirs before the fall. A grace life. An eternal life. A beautiful life. What did he look like? His sacred blood was falling on the ground. Sanctifying the earth, especially sanctifying you and me. And he was enjoyed as the blood flowed from his side. We think of the Eucharist, the chalice, the priest, when he prepares the chalice for the consecration, pours in wine and water, the blood and water that came from the side of Christ is the same when the consecration takes place. It is. And we come to receive that gift to be more Christ and to give him joy and give us peace and a future. Some people do not believe in our Lord. Our children are made prejudice against our religion. They're in terrible schools. Our Lord is our greatest joy because he is one of us and we are with him. He's the only hope for salvation. There is no other hope in the world. Satan gave us death. But he came to give us life. And through the Father, his gift to the Father is our life through the cross. So, this Sunday, we adore the cross. We think about our Lord and his beautiful gift. 
It gives us courage to live the Christian life. To not be afraid of pain, sorrow, or mourning. For in the resurrection all these things will be taken away. To do the right thing, even when it's not popular. To live our Christian life, keep the commandments and the counsels of the gospel. To be filled with joy at having that vocation as Jesus had it on the cross. What did the Father say about his Son? You are my Son, and stay I have begotten you. From all eternity he said that. It's the eternal word. And when Jesus was dying on the cross, he was saying to the Father, I finally repeat put words on his holy lips. You are these are your children, these are your sons and daughters. Through this cross, those who are yours from the beginning, I have begotten them. O holy people of God. The cross is not a decoration. It's a sign of dedication of your wearing the cross. A witness to the world and a blessing that you wear so you know what your future is. In life, there's a lot of pain. I've told you before I didn't like going to hospitals when I was a young seminarian, but I went I think the thing that about the hospital was, first of all, I'm scared to death to say catching something, you know, I'm a hypochondriac. And the other thing was the beautiful people suffering. But the thing I liked about it was I would go one day and hear confessions, and the next day I'd bring the Holy Eucharist. One day I was walking down the hallway and there was a man watching me. And I'd gone past that door before, the day before, and he said to me, why are you here? I said, I'm here to bring you the body and blood of Christ. He said, please come in. He wouldn't be there many more days. He had the food for heaven. It's a privilege of priests to give people the food for heaven. Wonderful. Pain in itself, I don't like it. And I don't think I have the sensibilities of Christ to suffer the way he did. But he was happy with it. He was happy to be bringing us to the throne of the cross, the throne of the heavenly kingdom, to be with the Father in joy for eternity. He is the bright hope of the world. There is no other. The bright, beautiful hope of the world of someone who loves you. And he suffered the pain because it was your pain.
And he sold it because it made his father happy to have you back. These are my thoughts for you on this feast in the middle of Lent on the meaning of the cross. To endure in penance and pain. To endure in loving God. To realize that Christ is your only hope. But with him as our victor, we will be victorious. We will be holy as we are now. And we eat his body and blood already the heavenly food. You go home today, make sure you've got your cross on. Don't die without it on. Think of your children, make sure they're not ashamed of their Christianity. They wear their cross. Christ wore the cross with valor and love for you. You do the same for him. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.